Listening to the Civil Sentinel Podcast. The Civil Sentinel Podcast is brought to you by Zavala1836.com. That's Z-A-V-A-L-A 1836.com. If you like all things tactical apparel and stickers, head on over, check it out. It supports the podcast. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How's it going? Yo, yo, yo. I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. Another Sunday, fun day. Yeah. A little bit of uh, cool weather today here in Texas. Probably uh, the last cold front of the year so it's a good day nice i went and did a little kayaking today with the lady we went out to the bayou i did a little fishing but i didn't catch anything i suck at fishing i'm better at spear fishing yeah it's a it's 82 over here where i'm at and uh see i went to church this morning then i hung out with the in-laws and uh went to my sister's house and worked in her garden uh brought the tiller over put a couple rows in and now i'm here awesome right on right on well, this is Civil Synthon Podcast. This evening, we are joined by Swamp Comms. And uh, as always, we got Tito, our favorite shadow band comms guy on Instagram. <laughs> hey, I think the shadow band's lifting. Instagram seems to like the uh, the HF stuff. That's good. Yeah, my page has started to blow up since my first couple like HF like radio postings. <laughs> it's the ham good. guys That's, love uh, it. Yeah the, yeah, the ham guys love it. Uh, so Swamp. Swampcoms, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, where are you from? What got you into radio? How long have you been into radio? So uh, if you guys want a name, you can call me Joey. That, that works for me. I originally got interested in radio uh, from my grandfather. He was a amateur radio operator. And uh, when I was a kid, I'd go to my grandparents' house and he'd show me his radio equipment. I was never allowed to touch it, um, but you know it, everything looked cool. Uh, and then when he got older... You know, uh, when I got older, he got me, uh, let's see, a, it was like a DIY kit, build your own radio, had like a little cardboard box and you'd put like transistors and resistors and, you know, everything where to go. And you'd, you'd put them in these little holes and you'd bend it back and it would connect everything. You had a little, uh, wire antenna I'd, I'd pinned to the wall and had a little, uh, just a little earpiece you could listen in on and you just turn your little crystal and you can hear different stuff. I never got anything on it. I tried a lot, but uh, that's that's how I got into radio. Uh, when I got older, it was CBs, and you know I'd get lucky and I'd you know talk on some skip and I'd hear people fifty miles away talk to them, stuff like that. Uh, I got my amateur uh, license, tech license, back in the beginning of twenty twenty, like right right before everything hit the fan, you know. And my basic goals. Uh, especially with my page, I just want to share radio with people and teach them. I love teaching. So I try to keep my content uh, where anyone could read it for the first time and at least take away something from it or learn something from it. And, you know, from here, it's to get my general. Uh, I want to try to get my GROL, GROL license. And um, that's more for like maritime stuff. But any license I can get, I want, um, I have my GMR license and my GMRS license. And it's just, I love teaching. So there you go. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so you're, uh, you fall right in line with uh, everybody else in the chat and everybody else we've had on the podcast. Uh, I think we all are set on creating content that's digestible and educational. 
obviously we have fun in the chat. We share a lot of uh, technical know-how and more advanced stuff when it comes to radio. We're teaching each other, but uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. I want to impart as much radio knowledge and technical information as I can to anybody who's listening and help people get along, help people get there, help people understand. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all share that, you know, kind of mutual, uh, you know, everyone who's been on the podcast, you know, civil swamp, like, you know, you guys and myself just trying to educate people and help people. It is, it's a comms and radio and like all this stuff. It's a vast, you know, vast, vast ocean of, um, stuff you can learn, things you can try to do and, and, you know, making that information digestible. I, that's like what you guys said. I'm just trying to make like what I know in the, in the fields that I try to study on, you know, more easy for people to learn how to intake. And, you know, unfortunately it's impossible to teach everybody everything, especially through like your Instagram page and stuff. Uh, so it, it's, it's really to provoke people into, wanting to learn for their for themselves as well because it's going to take some of that you you can't just like watch our instagrams you can learn a lot by like watching all of our instagrams and everything but you're going to have to go on google you're going to have to read some stuff if you really want to to expand that knowledge base right yeah for sure you know a uh, cool thing happened yesterday uh our local group we had a range day uh we went out there uh we got a guy through the uh bnw chat on telegram he found his way to our local telegram chat uh got invited into our group got invited to the range day came out there we kind of got him standing online and give us a little introduction about who he is and uh where he's from and i won't tell you much about him personally but he did say he was a comms guy and uh he uh has his tech license and he's running both baofeng out of his truck he's like uh hey I i'd love to uh teach you guys some some radio stuff if y'all want to learn it and uh, I was like, oh, uh, have you listened to my podcast? He's like, what's, you have a podcast? I was like, yeah, it's Civil Sentinel Podcast. He's like, that's you? That's awesome, man. First time, uh, you know, running into somebody in person who's uh, follows, all, he follows all of us on Instagram, but follows the podcast and has taken in content that we're putting out and has learned from it and uh, super encouraging. I'm so stoked to have that happen. And, uh, so I, I know we're, we're reaching people. It's a good sign. Yeah, it is. That's that's awesome. I also recently ran into a guy who lives somewhat near me who came to the Instagram and uh, actually saw some of my posts and was like, yo, I live close to you. Let's hit let's link up. And I was like, I mean, yeah, I'm not opposed to it. I met up with him at the range. I mean, he's a cool guy and he listens to all the podcasts. And, you know, it's like I was telling him the other day, I actually just met up with him for a quick patrol. And I was like, you don't have to learn like all the stuff like I'm the RTO. I'm the one who's who has to learn like the the mass amount of the information. I was like, you at least have to just learn like basic like uh, signal uh, control and uh, how to use your radio, you know, the right way, basically, because <laughs> he was talking about trying to like learn all this stuff. I was like, look, if you want to learn everything and be like a RTO and get into that field, like it's awesome, but you don't have to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good uh, segue into purpose of today's podcast uh we're gonna go back to the basics we're gonna hit on all the we're gonna try to hit on all the radio basics to kind of understand radio and make you a better radio user just at at the very base level radio fundamentals that's gotta love it that's what we're all about it's what our instagram pages are about we've definitely talked some way more advanced stuff in the podcast uh regardless people even though they don't understand it love to listen to it that's a lot of feedback that i've gotten from it but 
Let's try to let's try to get some information out there this time for you new guys in the audience who are kind of new to radio or wanting to learn lady radio or are currently learning radio. You just want to kind of put out here's the fundamentals, here's what radio is, how radio works. Take this information and put this away in the back of your brain and this is what you need to be a better, more efficient, productive radio operator. More so than just Picking up a radio and pushing the button and, oh, why isn't this working? Or how is this working? Or, you know what I mean? If you understand how something works, then you can use it more efficiently. That's kind of my philosophy. Oh, yeah. Where do you guys want to start? Uh, we have an outline here. Um, we do have Jake. an outline. Let's see if it gets followed. We're, we're going to try. <laughs> I'm just, as as, yeah. as per <laughs> usual, from the we're top. going to try. <laughs> All right. So radio, back to basics. Here we go. Uh, radio. What is radio? Well, I think... Uh, I'll, I'll take the first stab at this. So radio is a little electronic device uh, or a console that you push the button, you talk into it, and somebody else is going to hear your voice on the other end in its most basic terms. So the question is, how does that happen? <laughs> your, your voice is picked up via the microphone. It goes through a vocoder, and the vocoder turns it into an electric signal that is then modulated over an electromagnetic oscillation in the electromagnetic field. And it vibrates at a specific determined frequency through the air and is detected and picked up on that predetermined frequency on the on the receiving end, translated back into a audible, understandable tone that sounds like voice. How does that sound? Did I do good? Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds uh, that sounds pretty good. That's not too bad. Um, I, I think I can agree with most of that. Yeah. So I think the, the thing to hit on right out of the gate is electromagnetic frequency part of it and wavelength and frequency. Uh, so what is that? You guys take it from here. What do you got? Um, electromagnetic radiation uh, is energy uh, wavelength or uh, frequency. That's what we use. Frequency is measured in cycles per seconds or hertz. Wavelength is measured in meters and energy is measured in electron volts. And um, basically, uh, that's all basically uh, electromagnetic radiation. And, um, and those are what you would use uh, in your, your mathematical equations uh, to figure out. Oh, my brain is like, oh, man. Sunday brain. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It is. It's that and anxiety. So, like, I start talking and my brain wants to forget. Um, it's basically radiation. And it goes all the way from, uh, you know, gamma rays, X-rays, ultraviolet, uh, you got visible rays like, you know, the rainbow uh, colors, infrared, microwave, uh, radio. And it's a very wide spectrum. And what we utilize in radio is a small part of the spectrum, although it seems kind of large to us. There's a lot more. And it's basically that radiation goes everywhere when we use it. And someone else has their radio and a resonant antenna to pick up on that ra that radiation. And like you were saying with the radio, you know, you're talking the vocoder, the electronics, they do all that and they basically put it over RF and then someone else receives that. And that's what we're going for, that end of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, so like you said, it's it's a huge spectrum. Almost everything that we do and and see and uh, work with falls onto that spectrum you're talking about of like, you know, all the way from, you know, ultra low or like extremely low frequency all the way up. And I mean, you can look this up on, you know, 
Google like the electromagnetic spectrum and there's pictures and visuals that'll probably give some people a whole lot of like better ideas. It's hard to convey like what that can look like, you know, through words on a podcast. But I mean, you're going all the way up through like, you know, like sound you can actually hear up to visual light, you know, being at the extreme high of that. And then like everything in between from ultraviolet and uh, X-ray microwave all that kind of stuff. And, you know, like you said, we are, we are using like what is relatively an extremely small section of that spectrum to basically conduct like two way communications from point to point. Yes. Hey, you know, there's, um, if you go Google the electromagnetic spectrum and then go to images, there's some great illustrations out there that kind of give yes. a visual of what the electromagnetic spectrum is. Uh, the electromagnetic spectrum is one. Uh, range of electromagnetism and on the low end of the range is radio and that's where we're having voice communication so as you progress up the spectrum you get into microwaves so check this out put your food in a microwave oven and you put the timer on it and press start the same kind of electromagnetism that we use to send my voice to your voice when i push the button is the same electromagnetism that is cooking the food yes yes Yes, exactly. 100%. It's kind of sobering and creepy, and it's weird science to think about, but, <laughs> you know. And then going up the spectrum from there, you get into infrared, uh, which is, you know, heat light, if you want to call it that. Or I, I'm, I'm not an expert on infrared. I'll leave it at that before I put my foot in my mouth any mm -hmm. further. <laughs> well, infrared is like the very... Um, it's below visible light. I know that. It's... Yes. Yes. It's below visible light, and it is it it is what is relatively an extremely low like wavelength. Basically, um, I'm I'm looking at an illustration right now, and infrared is less than a 700 nanometer wavelength. So 700 nanometers, meaning 700 millionths of a meter. It's tiny, and that's below that. It's 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 uh. It's slight, or it's actually, yeah, yeah. So put that in the in the spectrum. Even like the highest frequency radios mean like high. It, it's kind of weird all the, how the like the nomenclature works because high frequency in, in the radio spectrum is actually relatively a very low frequency. Or you know anywhere from that like wavelength of 160 meters to six meters is considered like high frequency. And then everything above six meters up is considered like, you know, you know, VHF and UHF and then like extremely high frequency and, and stuff like that. So it gets, you know, pretty crazy, pretty fast. And we're trying to keep it pretty simple. Like, as we said, so this is all this all falls on a spectrum and the same spectrum that we use that that our eyeballs use to see what we look at every day is the same spectrum that we use to communicate uh, through two-way radio, just in a different area of that spectrum, essentially. Right. Yeah, at a higher vibration. It's vibrating much higher. Right. Yeah, like visible visible light is electromagnetic energy, just like your radio wave is about electromagnetic energy. But that, that electromagnetic yes. energy strikes the back of the nerves in your eyeball and your brain translated into what you visually see. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And then, like, above cool. visible light, so like just below visible light, we have what we were just talking about, infrared. And then above visible light, we have ultraviolet. 
And then from there, you got X-rays, gamma rays, and then cosmic rays. And once you get uh, once you get above like that visible light or like ultraviolet is when I believe the radiation starts turning into and you can correct me if I'm wrong here. It starts turning into what is called ionizing radiation and s- different areas of the spectrum can be ionizing. But the at least in, in the radio spectrum, we know that is non ionizing radiation. So like ionizing means it's it's messing with your electrons in your body and everything that like that's how you get cancer from getting like. You know, if you get too many x-rays in your life or being in the in the sun for too long and stuff like that, you know, you you can develop cancers because the the radiation is actually damaging the 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 atomic structures of your cells. You know, the the, the compounds that make up your cells. It's a good point, because standing next to radio waves that are really high output can be damaging to your to your physical body. Yes, it can be. But you they're need, not you need a lot of power. Yeah, it's not ionizing, but yeah. So while it, it can be damaging, um, it's it's similar to microwaves in that sense where it can um, get the intensity like, uh, of it matters. It, Just it, think about visible light, you know, intense visible light from the sun gives you a sunburn. Yeah. Like, so right. intense uh, electromagnetic energy from a radio would give you RF burn. It's the same thing. It's just a different part of the spectrum that affects your body differently. So ionizing radiation, like when you get way high on the spectrum, is going to be. <laughs> it's it's okay. I think Tesla would be proud of us, though. What what do you? <laughs> I, th- I think Tesla would be proud of us right now. He would be. Yeah, we've just regurgitated more science than most of existence has ever been aware of. <laughs> we really did, didn't we? He spent years of his life just figuring out how to put those like that paragraph that, you know, I basically just said like together. Let's keep it back on radio, uh, the low end of the electromagnetic spectrum. How are radio waves carried or how is information going to make it from point A to point B over a radio wave? Kind of going back to Nikola Tesla, there's there's two kind of modes of uh modulation is what it's called so you're gonna you're gonna manipulate that electromagnetic spectrum the energy coming out you're gonna make it do something so you're encoding that data into it to go from point a to point b and that's called modulation so there's two there's two basic forms of modulation and everything is kind of built off of those two basics yeah there's there's kind of three different kinds of modulation from amplitude modulation um frequency modulation and then phase you can you can modulate the phase of the of the carrier wave as well. Yeah, yeah, your phase. That's that's a good point. There is three then. And, and phase is like if you have a wave, you know, think up down up down, a sine wave. If you can have two waves that overlap each other perfectly, phase is going to be in sync. So your high points are going to be in sync, your low points are going to be sync. In sync. But out of phase is your high points and your low points are going to be slightly out of sync and uh so it's out of phase. And so you can modulate your phase to encode data that way versus modulating your amplitude or your frequency. But let's back up and talk about AM, FM, AM, FM radio, amplitude modulation, frequency modulation. That's kind of the basics of radio. That's how analog radio works. Uh, digital uh, yep. works over phase. So who wants to take who wants to take AM, FM? Um, so AM works by modulating or varying the amplitude of the signal or carrier transmitted according to the information being sent while the frequency remains constant. And uh, it differs from FM technology 
um, in which the information, which is sound, is encoded by varying the frequency of the wave and the amplitude is kept constant. So your AM is your amplitude modulation, your FM is your frequency modulation. So an AM, the radio wave uh, known as the carrier or carrier wave is modulating um, an amplitude and by the signal that is to be transmitted and the frequency and phase remain the same. In FM, a radio wave known as the carrier or carrier wave is modulated in frequency by the signal that is to be transmitted and the, the amplitude and phase remain the same. Uh, yeah. the, AM is going to have poor sound quality compared with FM, but it's it's going to be transmitted over longer distances and has a lower bandwidth. Uh, so can you know you have more availability uh, in in frequency and in range. Uh, FM is less prone to interference than AM, um, but FM signals are impacted by physical barriers, concrete structures, steel structures, trees, all that stuff. FM does have the better sound quality due to a higher wider band. Um, so your AM is going to range anywhere from 535 to uh, 1,705 kilohertz or 1,200 bits per second as far as your you know your voice. Uh, FM can range anywhere from 88 to 108 megahertz. And that's just like radio. As for us, we're using way more than that. Um, I don't remember exactly where the... Uh, you can basically use FM on anything now, really. What it's this, there it goes again, but one, you're going to have your amplitude and one's just going to be frequency. The phases stay the same, basically. When I'm teaching uh, my radio classes, I like to uh, give an example kind of as a reference. Um, and if you go into your car, turn on the stereo and you turn on AM radio and you turn on FM radio, you're going to notice a difference between the two of them. AM is going to have a lot with static. Uh, but if you notice, like driving around, especially like in the country or in rural America, you can hear AM stations from like way across the country. But uh, you'll drive under a power line and it's going to be like, it's going to be, you're going to get all the kinds of st static and, and tonal interruption to it. And sometimes you'll barely be hearing it coming through. Uh, so you'll hear more static than you will voice. Uh, versus FM, you're going to hear it clear. And you're going to hear your highs, mediums, and lows uh, of your audio. And that's why music is transmitted over FM, because you hear, you know, the full range of high, mids, and lows. And um, that's why a lot of talk radio is on AM. You don't need the high, mids, and lows. You just need something that, that you can understand, kind of how it just naturally fell into place. Uh, so that, like, that's the difference between AM and FM. Um, so if you think about... Uh, AM and FM over a handheld radio. Uh, most of the radios that are out there are going to be UHF and VHF, which is uh, UHF is ultra high frequency, which is higher than VHF, very high frequency. UHF and VHF are primarily always FM, uh, but low band VHF is AM, and that's your air band stuff. Um, and there's there's a lot more reasons to why that is, and why things kind of ended up in that position but uh, you're not going to find an am uhf vhf radio you're definitely not going to find an am uhf radio it's just not going to happen but go look up am fm there's some great illustrations on uh, google images and there's some great videos on youtube that can break it down probably a lot better than we can explain it here but that's kind of a good introduction to it i guess yes yeah, so uhf and vhf though that's kind of like where on the band am i using the signal if you made your street the electromagnetic frequency band right 
Well, you got to have an address to go to, right? So where on the where on your street are you going to look? And you're going to have a street number, you know, like uh, 1024 Main Street. So you're going to look for 1024. Okay, this is where I want to be. This is where so-and-so lives. Uh, this is where I'm going to look. Well, same thing on the radio band. Um, so your frequency is going to be your address on the band of where you're going to go look because you have uh, a lot of space on that band that you can use. Um, and depending on where on the band you are, the band is broken up into segments. So you've got high frequency, very high frequency, and ultra high frequency, HF. VHF and UHF and y'all take it from here. <laughs> okay. What I was trying to say earlier was <laughs> without getting my thoughts all uh, discombobulated. So you can use FM like uh, in citizens band, which is 26, 27 megahertz. And, but the thing is you're going to have, since you have a, a wider bandwidth, you're going to have a clearer sound, but you're not going to go as far and you're going to hog a lot of that air airwave. AM is better because it's going to go farther with that. Um, VHF, UHF, uh, you know, 900 megahertz, 700, 800 megahertz, those, uh, you know, ISM bands and all the way up to the gigahertz, you want to stay in that FM, um, because you get that clarity and it's more, uh, line of sight. So you want that clarity with that line of sight because you want to get as much bandwidth as you can. Uh, it's the same with like, you know, packet radio, uh, any digital mode, uh, FM is great, but you know, like with HF, you're, you're doing that over single sideband, uh, whether it's upper or lower or AM. So that's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so much to it. And a lot of it is about, um, spectrum efficiency. And when you're talking about like HF radio there, the, the, um, the need for spectrum efficiency can be much higher because you're working with <clears throat> what is relatively a much narrower space to use your, your, you know, to, to like use your radios in, Whereas like you're talking about of like like single digits to like a couple dozen megahertz, and every signal is going to take up a chunk of that spectrum. Whereas like as you move up the 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 uh, as you move up the spectrum, now you're talking about hundreds or couple or several or thousands of hundreds of or to several thousand megahertz of spectrum to use. That's why they kind of stick to the to the AM, like Swamp was saying, with how this how you know not only is the signal more line of sight dependent but the the rates of data transfer especially once you start getting up to wi-fi and like gigahertz level stuff it, it's really all about the the data speeds that can be achieved through the wider bandwidth that's offered because as as bandwidth goes down so does data your, your data rates go down so the the wider the bandwidth you can get while maintaining some level of spectrum efficiency is is all you know better for everyone but also as you do that the line of sight dependency goes up as you go up through the spectrum line of sight dependency also goes up and then there's a whole bunch of weird stuff that works with attenuation and how different areas of that spectrum will try to pass through some materials whereas they reflect off of other materials and um, you know, it's, we're trying to keep it simple, but it's, it is something that gets into the weeds like really fast. Yeah, for oh, yeah. sure. I think, uh, uh, some, a good reference is everybody has internet. Everybody's using wireless. Everybody's using Wi-Fi. So your routers, <clears throat> excuse me, routers are like 2.4 gigahertz and five gigahertz. That's kind of two terminologies for routers that everybody's heard of. 
Um, so that's 2.4 gigahertz is one address on the electromagnetic frequency band, and 5 gigahertz is another. Well, so, the, but they're in the gigahertz range. So if you go way down the band in the megahertz range where UHF is, which is around like 400 to 600, 700 megahertz. Uh, UHF goes up to 3,000 megahertz. So UHF actually reaches to 3 gig, 3 gigahertz. All right. So technically, is it, uh, does it really? It goes that high? I'm pretty sure, right? Am I right? UHF goes from 300 to 3,000 megahertz, if I, if I recall correctly. So in the voice radio world... Yeah, fact check that. Pull that up real quick. Uh, and I'm going to go on a little rant right now. All right. So Do it. When, you, when you when you think UHF when it comes to radio, you're going to think 400 to 500 megahertz range. A popular repeater frequency is 446.88. Uh, uh, you know, the FRS frequencies, the GMRS frequencies are like in the 462.6125. Yeah, so, that's up there near like FRS radio. So it's 460s. Yeah. Yeah, so that's just just think like the 400 range. That's UHF radio as far as picking up a device and pushing the button and talking is concerned. So yeah, for a good frame of reference, as far as like most of most of your handheld or mobile radios are concerned, that's the area you'll be in. I lost my train of thought. Why I was talking about this in the first place. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I yes. did fact check myself, and I was right. Oh, I was talking UHF about routers. Okay, sorry, go ahead. Yes, yeah, you were. I, I was going to say, I did fact check myself. I was right. UHF frequency band does range from 300 to 3,000 megahertz. So that is 300, 300 megahertz to 3 gigahertz. That's a lot. That's crazy. I didn't, I didn't know it went that and high. That spectrum, that spectrum encompasses television broadcasting, cell phones, tooth, walkie-talkies, cordless phones, and satellite phones. It is. UHF is huge. UHF is huge. I didn't know. UHF is a massive band. I didn't know it was that big. Um, yes. I just, and I don't know why it's that big, but there are sub, there are like sub areas to that band. Like, I think it's like L band and like there's, there's areas of that band that are kind of subdivided. Um, but we won't get into all that. That's a little above what this podcast is about. Yeah. So basically then oh, above UHF is what? Microwave, right? Uh, Yeah, I believe so. So then your router traffic is going to be. 2.4 is going to be high, high, high UHF, and 5 gigahertz is going to be microwave. And that's just kind of how the band's broken yes. down and classified. But as far as uh, a kind of a good rule of thumb is like the higher you go in the band, you're going to have more bandwidth. And go Google bandwidth if you want to know about bandwidth. If you're familiar with IT stuff, you're probably going to know what bandwidth is already. The higher in the band you go, you're going to have more bandwidth availability, but you're going to have more line of sight dependency, so to speak. At the same time, though, your signal is going to be capable of penetrating walls and objects. And on the inverse of that, though, the lower down the spectrum you go, uh, your signal is going to be less capable of penetrating walls. It's going to and other objects. It's going to reflect off of objects. Um, but it's also going to have a narrower bandwidth, and it's also going to have less line of sight dependency. Um, so there's there's a bunch of give and take here, and the more you study electromagnetism, you can kind of uh, you'll you'll become familiar with the properties of how it all works, you know. And since we break this down all the time, and we're experimenting all the time, we're constantly reading stuff. Uh, it's fresh on our brains, but it is not simple <laughs> by any means. <laughs> no, it's yeah, not. that's why I tell people. People message me, and you know, like if you're the RTO, then 
like, like it's kind of like I said earlier, talking about like my buddy who I was talking to. Like, if you're the RTO or if that's like the the area of expertise that you're planning on, like being in for your team or your community or whatever, then yeah, it is on you to know a much much more of this information and how it all kind of ties together than it is for the average end user of a radio where like that average end user really just needs to be comfortable with basic radio operations. The, the basically what would be like your manual of arms, but for your radio, it's kind of the same deal there. Just knowing what buttons on the radio do what, what the menu options mean, how to like, if your RTO tells you to do this thing to your radio, you should be able to take your radio out of its pouch or whatever and do this thing without being like, uh, here, radio man, take this, do, do thing. And, um, <laughs> and also knowing, like I was talking about earlier, knowing basic comsec, um, principles and, and basic em- emissions control principles, like make sure that your sling is not key. Like your rifle sling or something is not keying your radio for minutes on end, uh, while you're hiking around in the woods. Not only is that going to drain your battery, battery like really fast, and you're going to wonder why your battery's dead in a couple of hours. Um, it's going to not be too good for your radio, and it's not going to be good at all for, um, especially in like a, a a hostile environment where there could be enemy signal intelligence, direction finding, uh, kind of things that could be possibly targeting you. So backing up from there, real quick. How many times have you guys gotten a message? Hey, what kind of radio should I get? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's there's no silver there's... bullet answer to that. No. And, there and isn't. part of the reason for that is because you need to select your band based off of your area of operation, your AO. And the reason you need to select your band based off your AO is because of things in your environment that are going to affect the electromagnetic spectrum. So let's, let's talk about that real quick because that's really relevant to this conversation. You know, and relevant to, you know, if you're an RTO and you have a multi-band radio, you're going to need to develop your pace plan based on what capabilities do my radio have, single band or multi-band. If it's multi-band, what band am I going to use? Well, what is our AO? Is it urban? Is it rural? If it's urban, what kind of urban is it? Is it tall concrete buildings with a bunch of steel and glass everywhere? Because glass is an insulator. Think about electricity. And what does the insulator do? It's not going to pass an electromagnetic wave through it. It's going to reflect it. Same with steel. Uh, And concrete, if it's dense enough, it's going to bounce a radio wave off of it as well. But if you're in an area where you have low buildings, you know, like single-story dwellings, you know, you have that that radio is going to radiate. It's going to go above the houses or the single-story dwellings and go down the street, down the block, down the neighborhood, down the city. So you're going to have less obstruction. You're going to have a better line of sight. Um, and then the same thing applies to rural. You know, if you're a rural, where, where, what's your rural situation? You got a lot of trees or are you in a desert? Or are you next to a lake or an ocean? You know, all that stuff impacts your line of sight. Or are you near mountains? If you're near a mountain, forget about it. Doesn't matter what band you use, you use, you're just, you're not, you're not going to communicate to the other side of a mountain. And we'll get to this in a second, unless you use HF where it goes up and then back down. Yeah, I was about to, I was about to butt in there and be like, unless. <laughs> <laughs> and go visit Tito because he's putting out a bunch of HF stuff right now and a bunch of other people in the chat like Kenny Alu Idaho and uh, Wyoming Survival. And Oh, yeah. Wyoming Survival has forgotten more about HF radio operations than I'll probably know for a long time. <laughs> but but back- Yeah, so the. Back to the yeah. topic. Yeah. Uh, Swamp, why don't you 
talk a little bit more about band selection and UHF, VHF, uh, propagation characteristics. So most people say in uh, our field of uh, work <laughs> that, you know, VHF, you want it for outside. UHF is better like in city areas. If, if you're running, uh, let's see, let's say you're practicing CQB stuff. You don't know what kind of building you're going to be with, be in. I would prefer myself a 900 megahertz radio ism band because you can legally run without a license in an encrypted radio right you get your motorola xts uh what 1500 900 megahertz you can run it you, you can be encrypted all that good stuff no one's going to bother you right you just pick an open frequency and you and your guys can go practice and and that's what's good in like a concrete steel structure and like you were saying with the glass, uh, the buildings I work in, they are a low E glass and they have like a 40% shielding over it. So uh, a typical UHF radio d doesn't always get in and out very well. Um, we were running our fire drills and we had UHF radios in one of our buildings. It's five stories up and we're losing the guys and we're like trying to talk to them, you know, on the, the basically, what is it, a 440 megahertz uh, frequency uh, 460 something, I think is GMRS. So we're on that and we're losing guys in multiple floors because we're in a steel concrete structure and the just that UHF frequency isn't doing great. I would have loved for us to have a 900 megahertz radio. Um, but you know, there's finances get involved with work and you don't always get what you want. But in that situation, UHF barely worked. Um, if you're out more in, let's say outside, uh, in the woods, I have found out that UHF works a lot better than VHF in a denser wooded area. If it's not densely wooded, VHF works great. That's, you know, let's say you're using the MERS frequencies on 150 megahertz or your, uh, you know, the ham frequencies 144 to 148 megahertz. Marine band, that's, that's two meters. That's stuff with, uh, if you did look up GRO licensing, that has a lot to do with that. A lot of maritime uh, boats and everything like that use two meters because your open water VHF is great out there. Um, and you get a certain distance, it's they, they switch over to different uh, HF frequencies. So when what you want to look at your where you're going to be and what's going to work best. You know, they use 900 megahertz in ISM because you get a quarter mile range. And if you're in a 20 story building, that's what you want because you're not going to get someone on the first floor up to the 10th floor using a regular, uh, you know, 420 to 450 megahertz or your GMRS, which is what 462 to 470 something. You're going to miss something there. You're not going to have enough range. And even if you boost power, you're just, you're not going to have enough to get through that concrete and that steel. Um, your VHF, if you're on top of a, a building and you're trying to hit a repeater 10 miles away, VHF is going to be great. UHF might not do it unless you give it a little more juice. Uh, you give it a better antenna. You know, these are things, uh, that's the magic of radios. You got to go out there and you got to experiment and you got to figure out what's going to work best for you. And I get people ask me, like you were saying about what radio should I get? Well, what are you doing? What's your environment? You know, what, how, how, what's your elevation? You know, it's details that help us to help everyone else figure out what's best for them and their guys. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I can, I can disagree with something though, at least in my field operations, I primarily run VHF radios and I have had 
great success with VHF radios through like, uh, we live in pretty different areas of, of uh, Florida, but what I would consider a pretty densely wooded area. And um, I just Google Earth it from my buddy and I's last outing where we completed a simplex communication almost three miles. Yeah, I'm Google Earthing it 2.7 miles um, through what I would consider pretty damn dense vegetation with slightly obstructed line of sight as there is a small hill between us. But we still had loud and clear communications running uh, P25 with encryption. Nice. And I don't use a lot of VHF. I don't currently actually have it. Or I mean, UHF. Um, I don't currently have a. Well, I've got some UHF P25 radios, but they're not uh, low band VHF in that 400 megahertz range. I've got some 800 megahertz radios. And for reasons, I use them as scanners. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for reasons, yeah. But I have I have had extremely good. Uh, results using, like I said, VHF radios in simplex mode, um, running digital with encryption out in the woods, uh, easily achieving loud and clear communications for, you know, what I'm looking at is almost three miles here uh, from what I know was our last like comms test. My buddy was out camping in the woods and I, I left him there because I had I had to get back to the lady and we went and uh, and I stopped at a at a couple of the intersections on my way out and were doing and was doing com checks with him and we had no problem communicating through like i said very dense densely wooded area for northwest florida area kind of and um like i said no problem and like you said about like uh marine vhf that's kind of why i go with a, a vhf radio in florida cuz we are you know most of a lot of florida is pretty coastal I'm pretty close to the coast and I can use that to monitor coast guard frequencies, um, NOAA and, and all that kind of stuff. And not only just the coast guard, but just general marine frequencies. I can pick up from, from a hilltop that's like 50 miles inland. I can pick up ship traffic, like, like international shipping traffic on my VHF radio, like 50 miles inland. Um, because they're using a much higher output and bigger antennas and all that kind of stuff. But uh, like you said, they, they use VHF um, for the Marine stuff around 150 megahertz because uh, the VHF band, and I think I've covered this on the podcast before, but um, the VHF band around there actually has the ability to bend with a uh, bend around the curvature of the earth over that highly conductive surface of the ocean. Um, so you can actually get some beyond line of sight uh, capabilities out of the VHF band. And that's why the Marine and the Coast Guard and everything uses it. But then for, like you said, extremely long distances, international shipping, stuff like that. A lot of those ships are also equipped with um, with HF radios and they have their own band assignment for for like HF. And uh, that way they can talk if they're in the middle of the ocean, they can still talk to land based stations that way. Right. And, you know, on that point, there's kind of two types of uh, communication when it comes to VHF and HF. There's ground wave and there's sky wave. And ground wave yes. is we're going to transfer our discussion into antenna theory at this point. But ground wave is I'm going to have a vertical antenna, which means it's going to be horizontal. Uh, it's it's going to be oriented vertical, straight up and down. 
And the opposite of that is horizontal polarization, where it's going to be oriented horizontal. But ground wave is is going to travel. The radio wave is going to travel horizontally because it radiates to the off the side of the antenna, not out the tip of the antenna, uh, not up from the yep. antenna. And so, you know, uh, over the ocean, you know, water is a conductor. Your ground wave is going to skip off the water, so to speak, um, as your radio wave travels horizontally. Um, and on the open ocean, you know, you think about it, you don't have a lot of obstructions to your line of sight. You have virtually unlimited line of sight until you reach land. So there's some uh, ground wave characteristics, line of sight characteristics there that come into play and, and why EHF is selected for marine use, for oceanic use. And I mean, it does have a limitation, though. The the earth, the curvature of the earth does play a factor. You, you, you can't, without limitation, bend your signal all the way around the curvature of the earth. It's just not going to happen. Um, yeah, you're obviously you're not going to do that on on like VHF. Um, it does have some. And also there's attenuation comes into it. And uh, to kind of define attenuation for people, I like to put it as like uh, attenuation is basically like friction for radio waves. And all different kinds of materials have different, uh, basically coefficients. If you know a little bit about physics and how like the coefficient of friction works, um, the, the, what you could basically say the coefficient of attenuation for different materials, um, even, even air, even the atmosphere, uh, on earth has a relatively, what is a very low attenuation, um, just like how a soapy, like, water water slide has like a very low coefficient of friction but there's still even though there's like a soap covered water slide there is still a level of you know there there is still a coefficient of friction and you you won't just slide endlessly uh, you know given you know a a one set like input of energy essentially into that like you know you diving onto a water slide if that water slide was infinitely long you're not just going to go forever you're going to eventually slow down and come to a stop that is due to friction same thing happens to radio waves, even through open air. The only thing that wouldn't have attenuation would be open space, uh, you know, no atmosphere. The barren landscape of you know, space essentially would have zero attenu attenuation or near or almost zero attenuation. Uh, so that kind of comes into it. Your, your radio waves can only even go so far through open air, uh, whether that's HF, VHF, UHF, that kind of stuff, where... where those attenuation coefficients, as you could say, are affected as frequency changes. Um, the, <laughs> we get into the weeds really fast with it, and we're trying not to do that, but that's that's kind of how that works. Hey, you just blew my brain out. <laughs> <laughs> Did I really? <laughs> There's, I mean, uh, I've learned all this stuff before, and I I read it all the time. But still, it's just like, gosh, there's so much to this. It gets so overwhelming so quick. Yes. You're, you're not going to learn this stuff overnight. Who, who knew that this was going to be a science podcast? <laughs> I already knew it was for science. science podcast. We're getting in. <laughs> We're trying not to get into the weeds, but. Um, so, yeah. And, and here's before. a weed. Here's a, uh, here's a rabbit trail into the weeds. Isn't it incredible that Nikola Tesla figured all of this out himself? How did he figure this out? We need more of him. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, he, he single-handedly <laughs> changed the world as we know it. All of our technology is based off of what he figured out. Rabbit trail. I mean, rabbit trail. The government only killed him to steal everything that he learned. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then patent all of his ideas. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, pretty much. Crazy. <laughs> so if we haven't lost you yet, back up a little bit. Go look up uh, uh, the electromagnetic magnetic spectrum. Go look up the difference between AM and FM modulation. Uh, go learn what the difference is between UHF and VHF as it pertains to radio. Uh, also, while you're looking that up, look up HF because that does play a role. Once you get into 900 megahertz and higher, kind of a different ballpark, but we're talking about radio here. So, you know, it is what it is. We'll leave that there. And then for propagation characteristics, you know, go look up what's the difference in how signal is going to travel when it pertains to VHF and UHF. Yeah, and uh, there's even there's even good infographics. You know, a quick Google search can produce some good infographics on how propagation works. I think comms and logistics. We we say his name all the time on the podcast. We should probably get him on sometime. Yeah, um, we do. He has too. he has a ton of good posts. I always recommend when people message me about learning about radio, I tell them to go to comms and logistics Instagram page. Start at his first post and go up from there. It's it's not a ton of posts. It does, it, it won't take you long. Just started his first post and 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 move up from that point. And he's got a lot of good in illustrations, a lot of good slides with information. And it'll really it. Uh, that's where I. That's honestly where I started. I started following him. I started following you know a handful of the other pages. You know this is. I'm only. Uh, I'm not even two years in, into my like communications like experience, and I couldn't give enough credit to like Comms and Logistics and Wyoming Survival and Tani Alu and. It's just amazing that I've been able to like get on a podcast and like talk to these guys that I've been following since I first learned what modulation was and what FM and AM was. And, and you know, it's just been an awesome experience. Now I get to talk to these people on the regular because I've I've put into work to learn everything that kind of goes into it. Should we get into antenna theory real quick before we start talking about simplex and duplex and analog and digital? Sure. Go for it. Uh um, yeah. Let's let's pass the ball off to you, Swamp. What can you tell us about antenna theory and tuning and all that good stuff? Oh, antenna theory. Um, hang on a second. I I, I can say for for tuning, you you definitely want to find out, you know, VHF, UHF, HF, whatever frequency you're going for, um, whether it's digital or voice, um, CW. Go to that part of the band. Look up your band plans in your local area, and you want to measure uh 15 times before you cut your antenna um so real quick let me uh, let me interject there real quick uh sorry sorry to cut you off so there's no such thing as a universal antenna that you're going to put on your radio and it's going to work on whatever frequency you have to select an (laughs) antenna that's going to work that's designed to work at the frequency that you're intending to use um yeah, exactly. And, and so when it, that that's where we come into tuning, which is what Swamp just referenced about trimming your antenna. The way you tune antenna is there's a mathematical equation. So you take your frequency divided by the speed of light, which is referenced as 300, and that tells you your wavelength. And then you cut your uh, antenna according to the wavelength. And there's apps you can go uh, download to... You punch in your frequency and it'll tell you your antenna uh, length, what your antenna length should be. Uh, a good reference point for this also is, say I want to use a VHF radio, but all I have is a UHF antenna. And this is going to be an absolute example. It's not going to work very well, if at all. And in fact, it might damage my radio. 
And maybe I just confused the shit out of everybody. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. I do. uh, I think, I think it'd be, I think it would be prudent to, to bounce back a little bit. I have a quick interjection about um, like propagation and stuff. We were talking about a little bit ago with like VHF and HF and, and UHF, VHF and all that kind of stuff and how it works through different landscapes and different environments. Um, I had the, the, the honor of uh, encountering some of uh, Northwest Florida's uh, finest law enforcement officers the other day. Uh, and they were actually really cool. Um, they had a problem with where we were parked. We were parked off of a, an unnumbered road in the state forest and you can't technically drive a truck down that road. I was telling the guys about it before the podcast, but anyway, um, they ended up being really cool. They just gave us a quick warning. We're like, Hey guys, just, you just can't park where you're parked right now. You got to park over here. If you want to come to this spot, we're like, okay, no problem. But anyway, we, we ended up talking with the, with the law enforcement officers. There was a, there was a fishing game officer or in, in Florida, we know him as FWCs, like Florida, like fish and wildlife, uh, officers. Um, and then two County sheriff's officers showed up, um, because they heard some gunfire. We were shooting down in this dirt pit, whatever. That's kind of beyond it. But, uh, and we talked to him, we talked gear and everything. And at one point I actually, uh, I was, I was looking at the radios that the different officers were carrying in the, and the, I knew what radio was in the, in the County sheriff's, uh, pouches. I could, I could see it. I could see the top of it. And I was like, that's an APX. It's a Motorola APX 6000. And I asked him, I was like, hey, you know, real quick, I was like, hey, what radio are you guys running out here? Even though I kind of already knew what it was by looking at it. And he was like, oh, this piece of garbage. <laughs> and I laughed. And he pulls out this APX 6000 LI and he hands it to me. And I'm checking it out and everything. I'm looking at it. I'm like, OK, cool. You know, it's a it's a Motorola APX 6000. I've never held one of these. These things are extremely expensive still on the used market, which is just a um, relatively speaking, they're fairly inexpensive, but if you want to pick up a APX 6000 used off the used market right now, there's still a couple thousand dollars, but it's a single band P25 radio. And he was the, the, the officers continued to explain to me that they have really bad coverage in the, uh, in the rural areas of the county. So I look at the radio and I look at the antenna that's attached to it and they're running 700, 800 megahertz in a county that is 90 plus percent rural trees and, and, you know, small rolling hills when you get farther north towards like Alabama. And they're explaining to me how they have really bad coverage. And and I think I talked about this on the podcast earlier, which another county is doing the same thing, a county where I have some buddies that actually work as sheriff's deputies. And they are having signal issues in areas of the county. And they were telling me like, yeah, we have big signal dropouts and everything. I look at the radio and I'm like, well, that's because you're out in the middle of the woods and your radio's running on 800 megahertz right now. And there's not a tower within probably 10, 15, 20 miles of here. And, you know, and I explained it to him how like out here, you guys should really be running VHF. And I explained to the officer about how like, 800 megahertz was really designed to be used in um, urban environments as it reflects off of hard surfaces like glass and concrete and everything and gets and through multipath propagation, you're able to get into 
your, your tower or system sites to to complete your like, your, you know, your trunk system. And then the one older officer was telling me about how he hates these new radios. He liked the older radios where he could press a button and go into talk around mode and talk around the repeater system to officers directly in his vicinity. And he was talking about how it's much a much more dependable system using talk around, but now they can't do that. They switched to these new radios. And it was it was kind of funny hearing how they're like their absolute distaste for like the new radio system that was in place. And I explained to them that it's all because of the frequency band that they're running. I was like, this county is a massive majority of this county is 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 a rural environment with trees and, and light rolling hills. And you guys really shouldn't be running 800 megahertz. And the one cop was like, why don't you work for us? <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Um, quick, that, that, that's my quick um, propagation tangent right there. I kind of wanted to bounce back to that. Yeah. And see, that's a good testament to, you know, people who are using the radios. If they don't understand radio, they're just like, this radio was given to me. It either works well or it doesn't. They don't understand why. Yeah. I blew that cop's mind. <laughs> right. And yeah, most radio users are not experts. Well, you don't even have to be an no, expert. We're, we're not experts. I'm an expert, but you're not experts. <laughs> you're civil sentinels an expert. You heard it here, folks. I'm not an expert. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just messing with you. We're all basic. But we we are passionate about this, so we understand enough to know that we don't understand that much. Yeah, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I know slightly more than the average hairless monkey. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we've gotten off topic. Uh, so let's let's reel. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Let's reel it back into uh, go ahead. theory. Yeah. Yes. Um, so the basically the antenna is what generates the radio wave at the transmitter, and then uh, you have a voltage. Um, that's applied to the to the antenna to the antenna on a specific frequency, um, and that voltage across the antenna, uh, its elements um, and the current through them create the electric and magnetic waves. And the receiver uh, at the receiver, uh, the electromagnetic wave passing over the antenna induces a small voltage, and the antenna becomes basically the signal source for the receiver. And uh, that's the magic of it. So like I was saying, when you want to talk on a specific frequency, you want to make sure that your uh, antenna is cut specifically for that frequency because you have things, um, you, you want to make sure your impedance is going to match. Um, you, you know, every everything runs at 50 ohms pretty much so that you want that impedance to match the ohms at the transmitter so they can flow. You want all that voltage, all that current to flow that way your RF gets out, your voice gets out, and uh, people can hear you uh, from a far away. And uh, it's math is something that you have to bring into it, especially when you're, uh, you know, you're, you're tuning your antenna. Um, you don't have to remember it. I like to just get a calculator. I have calculator apps that I use because I can't, I don't remember all the math. I know Tito remembers the math because when I listen, he talks about it and that's good. Now you, you guys listen, or you guys are, you guys are good with the math. I'm not great with the math. I don't, I, I don't like math. I just don't like doing it. Um, I use an app. Those apps help out great because, um, I've got one I can plug in. It's got like 10 different antennas and I just plug the frequency in. I can plug in the wavelength of that frequency, whether it's quarter, a half wave, a five eighths wave, or it's full wave. It'll give me 
the exact measurements that I want for that specific frequency. When I'm making an antenna, dipoles are my favorite. Um, I also like slot antennas. They're both easy to make. When I'm making one of those antennas, uh, say for uh, 10 meters or uh, 2 meters, 900 megahertz, I'm going to go to the middle of the band is what I like to do, uh, the middle of those frequencies, and I try to get my standing wave ratios correct. I want to make sure my impedance is correct. I want to make sure that when I hook it up to my radio or I hook it up to my nano VNA, my, my antenna analyzer, that everything lines up. If it doesn't, I go back. I double check my math. Um, I go back to the app. Um, I'll pull up uh, uh, schematics of other antennas and see what they've done. And I make sure that it's perfect because, you know, I, I don't want to mess anything up. I don't want I definitely don't want to mess up my, my radio. Um, I prefer quarter wave antennas because uh, they're smaller. You're going to get good distance out of them. Uh, not great, but if you make a quarter wave ground plane antenna for 10 meters, okay, you're going to have like an eight foot tall antenna, almost nine foot tall antenna. So you're going to have, have somewhere to put it. If I make an antenna for Skywave uh, for 10 meters and I make a dipole antenna, okay, it's going to be still, it's going to be almost 20 foot long antenna, excuse me, 16 feet long. Um, but I'm only going to have to raise it off the ground, maybe six to 10 feet, three to six to 10 feet, whatever, uh, whatever works for you. But my my quarter uh, quarter wave ground plane, I'm I'm gonna need to get it up at least twenty feet. So w- when it comes to the antennas, make what's easier for you. Dipoles are always the easiest. You can run them vertical, you can run them horizontal, you can run them at an angle. That's why I like them because there's so many different uh, ways you can mount it, uh, run it, work it, whatever. And um, I do like quarter wave ground planes, and I like slot antennas because a slot antenna, you can just it's gonna be a half wave. And you can take a piece of metal, you can take metal tape on a window and you do your, uh, you can put on wood. It doesn't, uh, and you got with an X-Acto knife, uh, a half wave of 900 megahertz or VHF or UHF, and you just stick your, uh, uh, your coax to it, uh, and you run at your radio, you check your SWRs and bam, you got an antenna that you can stick on the side of your house or on your gutter. You know, there's just, there's a lot you can do with it. And that's to me is one of the funnest parts of radio is tuning the antenna, uh, your resonance. You want to make sure you're resonant on that frequency. So when you're talking to somebody, I know Tito's getting into HF. I'm, I'm, I'm right on your heels. Um, I got awesome. a 10 meter radio coming. Yeah. I got a 10 meter radio coming. So I'm going to start putting out, do some Envis. Uh, I've got a dipole. Um, I've got a, a vertical, um, hundred feet up on one of my buildings I work at. So, uh, my boss gave me the go ahead. He said, you can only test it on your lunch break though. So I said, that's fine. But, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's another thing. You're vertical and horizontal. Um, when you're running Envis, you're running horizontal dipole, basically closer to the ground. And that's basically gonna, you're going to get further. You're going to, it's going to go up. It's basically sky wave and it's going to shoot out. You're going to go further as opposed to, I think, uh, a quarter wave ground plane. You know, I'm just using those examples because that's what. Uh, if you're a east wave ground plane, you're going to get a trajectory that's going to shoot your RF. It's going to go further than a quarter wave. It's going to go up and out. So you're going to clear taller buildings. You're going to clear trees. You're going to, you know, clear some mountains. You know, that's another thing you want to look at. Quarter wave or five eighths wave. You know, five eighths is going to have a, a taller trajectory. You can think of it as like underhand and 
you hit the ball in your hand and it goes up higher and it kind of lops over the net um, kind of on top of the other player. That's the way I, uh, I like to look at it. Whereas a quarter wave would be kind of like a backhand and um, more towards the front of the player instead of on top of them. Um, I mean, and then basically, I don't whatever I like. I like my Yagi antenna. I use that for uh, UHF and VHF, also for 1.25 meter, which is part of a, a VHF. Um, I use a dipole, uh, horizontal dipole for six meter, um, and I use ground plane for HF. So Swamp threw out a bunch of antenna types in terms there, kind of boiling it down to the basics. There's there's a lot of different antenna types. Each one of them serves a different purpose, and each one has their place. Each one, uh, there's there's some types of antennas that are more efficient than others. There's some types of antennas that should be used in, uh, over others. And there's different lengths of antennas, and there is a mathematical equation to those lengths, even according to uh, the length that it's cut to for the frequency or its tuning. But um, kind of a, here's a quick just bullet point list. You got a whip or an infed antenna. You got a ground plane antenna. You get a dipole antenna. You get a J pole antenna. You get a Yagi antenna. So there's, we could do a whole podcast just on this or a series of podcasts, really. Yeah. <laughs> antennas is a, is a deep pit. <laughs> yeah. It's a black hole, is what it is. But, you know, <laughs> de depending on your selection of your band, whether you're going to go ground wave or sky wave, you're going to make your antenna selection accordingly. And it, you don't always need uh, a specific antenna type to receive. A disc cone antenna is the best antenna for reception. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's ground wave or sky wave, but transmitting on a disc cone antenna is hot garbage, like Tito likes to say. <laughs> I do like that term. Yeah, he does. He likes the number 87. He has 87 chickens. <laughs> uh, I'm just messing with you. But, all right, so there, before we get off the antenna topic, go back, rewind, take notes on all the antenna types, and go look them up. Uh, Google is your friend when it comes to all this stuff. Go Google all this stuff and start yes. reading about it. You know, we, yeah. we can only tell you so much because this is a bottomless pit of information. Go look up it all really the is. antenna types. Go oh. look up modulation. Go look up uh, your, your different bands and how RF works. Uh, but, but know this. When it comes to antennas, you know, we're talking about electromagnetism, right? And electro, electricity. What does electricity require? A positive and a negative. So an antenna also has a positive and a negative. And your positive is your radiator. That's where your signal is going to come out of. And your negative is going to be your ground. Yeah. Just like electricity has a ground, your, your antenna, you, you need a ground on your antenna, just like you need a ground on electricity for, for electricity to flow. Is it because it's constantly moving? Is how I like to think of it. I think people who are RF engineers or electricians might shoot me in the head for saying something like that but but you need a positive and a negative for an antenna just like you do with electricity so when you get into dipole one side is positive the other side's negative when you get into a j-pole you have a large positive and a tiny negative or you have a large radiator and a tiny ground and there's like a science to how this all works um and then yeah the, the, we're, we're talking about omnidirectional antennas right now there's also directional antennas, meaning you can shoot your signal in a singular direction, kind of like a laser beam, and that's your Yagi antenna. And there's some other directional antennas too, like loop antennas 
and we could really get in the weeds on this right now, but we're not going to. Yeah. So I'm going to put in my two cents here on uh, antenna theory real quick. As I've uh, recently gotten into HF, I've been building some antennas. Um, I really need to put together a, a a two meter or like VHF ground plane, which I've been meaning to do. I just haven't cut the wires for it yet and, and tested it out. But uh, we were talking about the math and everything a moment ago about how um, there's all these different equations. Well, uh, they're kind of the same equation for like, especially when you're cutting dipoles and things like that. Everything's relative, as we said, to like the wavelength of the frequency you're trying to use. Antenna length directly correlates to the wavelength, the frequency you're trying to use. So the the lower the frequency you go, the bigger your antenna has to be because the lower frequency you go, the higher or longer the wavelength of the transmission is or you know the, the length of the, the frequency, the wavelength of the frequency is longer. And in order for your antennas to resonate, uh, they have to correlate to that wavelength in some way, whether that's a quarter wavelength, half wavelength, five eighths, all that kind of stuff. So when we're talking about like end fed, end fed antennas, like your whip antennas that are on your handheld radios, those are end fed antennas. And when you talk about the length of the antenna, sometimes you'll see eighth wave, quarter wave, half wave, five eighths wave. You can get all the way up to uh, three quarter wave antennas. And when you're talking about an end fed antenna, the length of the antenna kind of correlates to the gain of the antenna, as they call it, which we've talked about on, on previous podcasts before, as a, a quarter wave antenna has a much wider gain. And the way you can think about gain is how the electromagnetic electromagnetic radiation is radiated in accordance to the position of the antenna, essentially. So if you have a whip antenna that's perfectly vertical, straight up and down, a quarter wave antenna is going to have a much broader radiation pattern to, you know, to broadside of that antenna, whereas a half wave to a five eighths wave to three quarter, that that radiation pattern, like perpendicular to the whip antenna is going to tighten or narrow. So it's going to focus that energy tighter to the horizontal plane. If your antenna is perfectly straight up and down with the earth, it's going to tighten that radiation to the horizontal plane of which the antenna is, is adjacent or perpendicular to, I should say. And then what was I going to say? Oh, so going into the, the math on antennas too. So I've been getting into HF. I've been cutting some what would what people would usually call like long wire antennas, dipole antennas. I'm using Cobra head adapters as my center insulator, and I'm cutting lengths of wire to be resonant to the frequency that I plan to use them on, uh, which which eliminates the need for me to have a, a, a ballon and all that kind of stuff that goes into building wider band or multiband antennas for HF, uh, which HF is going to get into. Uh, like we said, is going to be a lot of like the sky wave propagation. So you're actually going to shoot your um, electromagnetic radiation up to the sky where as long as your frequencies and everything are within the correct range, your uh, your radiation should bounce off of the ionosphere and back down to Earth and then back up to the ionosphere. And that creates what's known as skip zones. Um, and you can have one, two, three, four maybe even five skip zones. Uh, were you trying to say something, Swamp? No, 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 no. Oh, oh, I saw, I saw you, you light up for a second. My there. bad. Anyway, so 
I've been cutting a lot of these antennas and the math for me has been hit or miss. I cut an 80 meter antenna for uh, 80 meters for the ham band is about three to 3.5 megahertz. I cut an antenna. I did the, I did the math myself and I checked it on a calculator and the numbers came out the same. I cut the number to that exact length and then I strung it up outside and I threw it on a nano VNA to test the SWR and my antenna was resonating entirely too low for the band. I was, um, meaning my antenna was too long. I was resonating at a lower frequency than I wanted to. And I ended up adjusting the antenna and it came out to where I cut almost, what did I cut off? I cut off almost 10 feet of wire in total. I cut about five feet off of each side of this antenna to get it to resonate where I wanted it to, uh, as far as the math. And I checked my measurement four times. I made sure that my <laughs> measurement method was accurate. And for whatever reason, the math didn't math for me at 80 meters. And I, and I ended up cutting, like I said, almost 10 feet off of my antenna where I cut a, where as, as opposed to, I cut a 40 meter antenna and the math was much closer for me. And I don't know why this is. Um, there definitely wasn't almost 10 feet of error in my, you know, I could account for some error in my 10 meter antenna, which is why I cut it a few inches long on each side. Uh, cause when you're talking about a dipole antenna, you're typically talking about half wave antenna where your lengths of wire are going to be cut to a quarter wavelength for each length, which will equal a half wave dipole. Um, but for whatever reason, my math didn't math at 80 meters, checked it several times, but at 40 meters, my math was much closer. And I only ended up trimming, I think nine, nine inches of wire off of each side of my 40 meter antenna. And, and that was kind of weird. So that's kind of like how antenna theory works um, as a kind of a broad scale. It, it is a little bit of a black magic and it does take some tuning. The math isn't perfect depending on your environment. The the ground that you're setting the, the antenna up over can affect your SWR, you know, the, the composition of the of the soil, uh, all that kind of stuff kind of plays into it. But for me, for whatever reason, my 40 meter antenna was very close and my 80 meter antenna was way off. That's something I hate that happens when you, you think you have everything perfect and then you have to go back and you're just, you just want to get on the radio if your antenna's yeah. no good. <laughs> I cut it. Uh-oh. Yeah, the mic there? cut out. I, I hear you oh. now. Oh, I'm back. What was the last thing you heard? Um, antenna theory. I talked about the mic. Yeah. <laughs> what? Have I been cut out for 10 minutes? <laughs> no, no, no. I heard you say about... Uh, um. I said something about your, you know, the antenna and then you said, oh yeah. And then it just like cut out. So yeah, I, um, I'm not sure where it cut out, but yeah, the math didn't math for me at 80 meters. Um, I ended up trimming a lot off of the antenna. Hopefully I can use that wire for something else. Um, but anyway, my 40 meter antenna was, was way better. Yeah. I was going to say I had the same issue with a, a six meter dipole with just a speaker wire. And what I ended up doing was getting, uh, some EMT, uh, at work. And it's just in the trash can. So I use that instead. And uh, my SWRs were way better. Okay. Yeah, nice. It was like I quarter think inch, I think. What was that? It was quarter inch EMT. So compared to like, you know, 18 gauge speaker wire, I mean, it, it just did way better. Oh, so it was like way thicker. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's another thing about antenna theory is your 
when, when it comes to building antennas with wire, uh, as a lot of, as, as most antennas are wire, whether it's your end fan, like your whip antennas are just coiled up lengths of wire inside of like a plastic and, and rubber housing. It's, it's really all it comes down to. If you were to break that thing apart, it's just wire inside of there connected to a connector that is compatible with whatever radio you're attaching it to. Shit, what I was going to say. Oh, so the, the, the diameter or the thickness of your wire um, directly correlates to the kind of to the resonance or how wide widely your antenna will resonate. If you're using like a, a 26 gauge wire, the resonance of your antenna will be much narrower than if you used a, a thicker wire like a like a 10 or 12 or 14 gauge, something that's relatively much thicker um, than your your resonance or it, the stability of your antenna where it will resonate efficiently will be much wider as as the diameter of your wire increases man we've we've covered a lot and we're only halfway through this outline are we really <laughs> do you want to jump into that was antennas and antenna theory you want to get into simplex duplex yeah let's do this um we'll, we'll do a recap at the end on just key terms that you should go google yeah, let's move on from antenna theory. Let's go into simplex and duplex. What's the difference? Uh, this is where you're going to get into your repeaters. And then we'll touch on analog and digital. We'll touch on difference between analog and digital and digital types. We won't get into the weeds on digital. We'll do that. We'll save that for another podcast. You were right when you said earlier that like you could do a podcast on like every one of these subjects. <laughs> yeah, you, re- you yeah. really could. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's just it's just so much. All right, simplex, duplex. Simplex, here's, here's how I explain it when I teach uh, my radio classes. Simplex is radio to radio. Duplex is radio to repeater to radio. Uh, now, here's the difference. Simplex is you have a one-lane dirt road, and you're going to have traffic coming, and you're going to have traffic going. Uh, that traffic is eventually going to cross paths with each other, and one person's going to have to get out of the way for the other uh, person to go down. So there's going to be interference that's simplex simplex is 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 two people talking in both directions on the same frequency and there's you know you more people could be jumping onto that frequency and everybody's going to be heard at the same time and everybody could be talking at the same time it's just going to be a jumbled mess and this is where duplex comes in duplex is like a highway you have one lane going in one direction and one lane going in the other direction difference between simplex and duplex is simplex is one frequency duplex is two frequencies uh duplex is you have a send frequency and a receive frequency so when you program your radio for duplex you're going to program an offset so you're going to be listening on your downlink and you're going to be talking on your uplink your up when you push your push to talk uh your radio is going to shift to your uh transmit frequency your uplink and it's going to transmit on that while simultaneously listening on the downlink. And what that does is it eases some of that congestion so that you can always be listening and talking and have just less congestion. This is how your repeaters are going to work. You have full duplex and you have half duplex, and there is a difference. And I'm not necessarily sure we need to really break that down per se, but what do you guys think? What do you want to add to that? Swamp, you got anything? No. I mean, I was going to say, like, the, the quick difference between, like, full duplex and half duplex is going to be, uh, like, a repeater, uh, like, whether it's an amateur radio repeater, one you build, one you buy, you put together, whatever, is going to typically run in 
uh, what is known as a full duplex, which means the, the, the repeater is going to receive on one frequency and simultaneously transmit on the split frequency, like you were saying. So there will be near zero delay there. The, the, the antenna, you know, the, the radio or the repeater will receive and instantaneously transmit on another frequency out to um, everyone else who's listening to that frequency. Yeah, it's a relay. Whereas like half it's duplex, a relay. Yeah. Whereas like a, a half duplex is like your handheld, a lot of your handheld radios, you can program your radio to, um, to transmit on one frequency and receive on another, but your handheld radio is not going to ins- be able to instantaneously receive and transmit, uh, you know, traffic at, at the same time that way. So like if you're in a tactical setting, you got one radio program to transmit on, you know, 140 megahertz and it's receiving on 150 megahertz. Well, your radio is not going to be able to intake traffic on the intake on, on the receive frequency and transmit on the transmit frequency simultaneously. So you'll be operating in what is known as a half duplex. I've never heard it put that way, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So it's kind of like a simplex, but you're operating on what, what would be like a split frequencies. Whereas traditionally simplex would be operating, sending and receiving on the same frequency. And it's kind of the same deal there. Your radio is not going to receive traffic and let you hear it at the same time that you're talking. It just doesn't work that way. Good way to put it. When it comes to repeaters, uh, a repeater is a duplex system. Your ham radio repeaters, your GMRS repeaters. I say GMRS repeaters. I don't really know. I've never really been on a GMRS repeater, but I do get on ham repeat, ham radio repeaters occasionally. Um, so there, there's three things that you need to program if you're going to get on a repeater. Your frequency, which is going to be your listening frequency. Your offset, and your offset is going to be your... When you push your button, it's going to automatically offset to the transmit frequency uh, while listening to the listening frequency. And then your tone. And a tone is basically a sub-audio... Sub-sub-audio. Sub-audible tone that human ear can't hear. Or it's going to be a digital tone that's encoded over the radio wave that you also can't hear. And that repeater is going to be listening for that tone. And if it doesn't hear that tone, it's not going to let your voice traffic come in so it can retransmit. And it's basically just a way to keep out unwanted traffic. Yes. And this is a a whole nother topic that we can do on tones. And when it gets to digital, your color code is your tone equivalent. GMR, yeah, your color code. Yeah. For P25, it's NAC, your NAC, your November Alpha Charlie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So duplex, you know, you've got the best way to, to think about it if you're just getting into this is simplex is radio to radio. Duplex is radio to repeater to radio. And all the repeater does is relay information in real time that it receives it. Yeah. That's basically all it is. What a repeater also does is it's at a higher elevation, so it improves your line of sight. And improving your line of sight, you have less obstructions, so you're more likely to communicate to that repeater receiving antenna. While simultaneously retransmitting from a higher location, just like it's receiving, it's gonna you're more than likely going to uh, receive a signal from a, a higher transmitter than a lower transmitter. Uh, but the other thing that it does is it bumps up that power output from like, let's say, you know, you're talking to the repeater at five watts, it's going to retransmit at 200 watts. And so a repeater's range, you know, can be dozens up to potentially a hundred miles. 
um, depending on the conditions and yeah. depending on the landscape and, and all that stuff. I mean, there's repeaters near me that are countywide where one repeater will cover like I can get into repeaters that are 30 miles away from my five watt HT uh, that'll retransmit my signal. Basically, what it, what would be countywide or even trans county? They'll, they'll even stretch into neighboring counties. Oh, for sure. And if you're in states with mountains like Colorado or Utah or Wyoming, Montana, you know, you stick a repeater up on a mountain. Uh, you know, you're dealing with perfect line of sight conditions at that point. You know, your repeater could cover hundreds of miles, potentially. Uh, you may not reach the repeater, but the repeater is definitely going to be able to reach you because its power output is way higher than your power output. Swamp, you're being quiet That's over like I there. like to tell people and ask me. Oh, yeah, he is. <laughs> you guys are just, you're doing a terrific job, and I just want to let you know that this is one of the best podcasts ever. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> it is. It is. I was uh, I was just thinking about uh, what Sil was saying about like uh, the uh, like ham radio repeaters and GMRS. The only difference with the GMRS repeaters um, is they have like a certain set channels for repeaters, but they work the same way. You'll transmit on one and just receive on another, and and pretty much that's it. Because GMRS is channelized. If uh, you don't do GMRS. Yeah. Uh, it's like CB. It's channelized. It basically is the original CB before uh, they took 27 megahertz away uh, from amateur radio operators and, and gave it uh, to the, to the public. Um, but it's channelized, and that's what they they go off of uh, repeater channels. And uh, mean, but meanwhile, people still repeat on simplex on those channels. Um, the only difference is, like you guys were saying, with your tone and stuff like that, your CTCSS and your DCS, things like that. That's what keeps that traffic out of the repeaters. Yeah, and then you, you start getting into uh, what what is known as squelch on radios, which is basically um, your radio has a threshold that needs to be met in order for a signal. Like It's basically a signal strength threshold that needs to be met in order for your radio's to, to start like demodulating or for, what would be like your speaker to start opening up to to a signal? Because there's something known as, as the noise floor throughout the electromagnetic spectrum or the radio spectrum. Uh, a signal for your radio to open up and, and hear it needs to be uh, one above the threshold level and two also contain that uh, that sub audible tone that we were talking about, whether it's the CTCSS tone or or the dcs which is a or a, your dsc digital squelch tone whatever it's called if if you're if the repeater it, you you could have the right frequencies programmed in your radio to talk to the repeater but if you don't have that tone set in your radio correctly the radio's repeater won't open up its squelch and repeat your signal because you are not basic you're basically not meeting the criteria at which the 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 repeater or the receiver needs to open up its squelch to 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 receive the signal right so th there's kind of two things that go to it like some repeaters don't have tones there there's some repeaters near me that just have what's known as a, a CSQ which is which is no tone so you can program in the the input frequency and, and transmit on that and you'll get into the repeater no problem whereas other repeaters might have a whatever tone it's 100 hertz 67 hertz 146.3 hertz or like whatever it is um so there's kind of two criteria that need to be met in that case where not only does your signal have to be strong enough to be above that threshold that the receiver can demodulate but it also has to meet that tone 
um, criteria in order for the for the receiver to even open its squelch to to hear your signal. Good point. There was another thing I wanted to say, but I forgot what it was because I'm three beers deep, and these are like ten percent. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, let's transition over into analog and digital. What is the difference between analog and digital? Analog is the traditional uh, type of radio that's used uh, for communication, entertainment, things like that. It's been around for a long time. Digital is, uh, to me, still fairly new, but analog is still, you know, one of the main things that's used uh, even today, um, especially, you know, in our field that, you know, we use it in stuff like that. Um, and it's it's basically, you know, point to point communication over long distances and uh as you know now i've heard some people say like oh digital has better uh, voice quality over analog uh, digital has has a little flavor to it um especially dmr especially dmr um but I, as far as like motorola i think those sound better but uh the, the analog is just it's just the old school rf and you're you know you're putting uh your voice wave over the rf and that's basically how it's uh carried out as opposed to digital, which would be, uh, you know, blocks of data and things like that connected in kind of like a string over the RF. Yeah, no, exactly. And that, that kind of gets back into modulation too. When you're talking about, um, analog modulation, like AM, FM, um, where the radio is taking the input frequency of your voice and the variations in that frequency of, of your voice, which happens was, I think it's between 200 and 2000 is it 200 and 2000 hertz or something which is what would be like relatively a very low frequency and it and the radio encodes or modulates that input of your voice um over the carrier frequency which is the frequency that your radio is set to and then that's how like fm and am works whether that's like how your uh, the the input of your voice frequency and the variations in that are 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 changing the amplitude of the carrier wave to uh, like FM, the, the changes in the frequency of your, of your voice, whether that's the volume and the tone and everything like that of your actual voice is that's modulated via slight alterations off of the carrier frequency being like, if your carrier frequency is like 140 megahertz, well, there's going to be when it's modulated, that is actually, very, the, the radio is actually very slightly changing the frequency at which the, your voice is being transmitted at. And then the receiving end, the radio decodes that and changes it back into human voice. Right. Oh, so we need to get into digital. Um, civil, you want to you want to jump in on on how digital modulation kind of works? Not really, but I will talk about the digital types. <laughs> um <laughs> Digital is another black hole of information, uh, scientifically. Um, so let's kind of start with types of digital that you're going to encounter out there in the radio world. So most popular is probably going to be DMR because it has overlap with the ham radio community. And DMR stands for digital mobile radio. And uh, similar to DMR yep. is P25. P25 actually came about because of DMR. Uh, and P25 is Project 25. And then what P25 attempted to do was standardize digital protocols for public safety use. So we talk a lot about P25. Exactly. LMR radios are going to be primarily P25 these days, although they are going to include DMR. And then you have stuff like 
there's Tara and things you got you got your dmr who fall into that public safety realm yeah yeah and these, these are all different types of digital but you got dmr p25 then you got your nxdn and tetra radios uh they aren't going to be widely popular in america like they are in europe and asia and then you got your fusion radios fusion is digital protocol that uh is proprietary to yesu yeah we'll leave it at that for now and then you got stuff like d star that exists out there d star was an early digital mode um now it's worth noting if you want to talk to a digital radio you have to have similar type digital radios so only dmr will talk to dmr only p25 will talk to p25 and so exactly on. and that has to do with the modulation type of digital and there's some more aspects of that. But each digital protocol is going to have uh, unique characteristics to that digital protocol. That is going to, you know, there's going to be some give and take there. There's going to be bandwidth variations. There's going to be other voice variations. There's going to be vocoder uh, variations, um, authentication, security, comsec. All that stuff has a role in what type of digital protocol you choose uh, for various reasons. And there's, there's, there's so much we can unpack here. It just kind of makes my brain swell right now. But, um, for simplicity's sake, EMR and P25, uh, are going to be the most common. DMR is definitely going to be the most common. In the, in the, in the U.S., yes. Well, in the U.S., P25 is very common too. Uh, most public safety, especially around me, is running, uh, P25. The reason I say DMR is going to be the most common is because of the ham radio community. Uh, there's a lot of DMR yeah. repeaters out there, and you can also get DMR hotspots, which is like a little like, you know, Wi-Fi hotspots. The same thing, except it's for DMR radio. So your radio talks to the hotspot. The hotspot yeah, connects to the internet, and then your radio connects through the internet to other hotspots or repeaters out there. And so you can talk over your radio through the internet to other users, literally anywhere in the world, if that repeater or hotspot is connected to the internet. Which is kind of cool, but it's kind of cheating yes. at the same time. It is kind of <laughs> cheating. <laughs> yeah, it's good for, um, how do I say this without being offensive, uh, the elderly. You know, you can't put an antenna up anymore. You can't be running around with an HT. So, you know, DMR and hotspots are pretty good for them. Oh, you mean the they, boomers? You know, the, that, the, yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but I mean, it's it's good for us too. Um, uh, you know, I got a couple hotspots here. I got a couple DMR radios. So, you know, I, a couple P25 radios. And, um, you know, if, if you can't get, let's just say you don't have the money for DMR, you can get on Dude Star. You can, I th think you can still get it on. Uh, Android, but you can download it on a PC or a laptop, connect a headset with a mic to it. And you can talk to people, P25, DMR, uh, Fusion, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's free. That's a good intro into some type of radio, uh, you know, for the beginners out there, you still have to get your DMR ID. Um, you can Google that, but it's, it's another implementation. And if that's the route you want to go, you start there. It's kind of like the bowel thing of, of dmr really but uh it works great. <laughs> but it works great that's the thing um it doesn't always work great on my android or my iphone but it works great on my laptop and my desktop you know so when i want to get on uh i get on dude star there's lists and lists and lists of people to talk to around the world uk america you name it uh there's a bunch of people uh let's see um 
one of the uh, reflectors, the IRLP reflector, uh, one of the reflectors in Orlando is, uh, I think, connected to, I want to say, a DMR repeater. I think I could be wrong. But, you know, uh, th- there's things like that where you're going to, you're not just going to talk to like a couple people down the road. I mean, you're open up to anyone who's connected uh, to that hotspot uh, via Dude Star. You're going to be able to talk to them. Yeah. Do you, do you have a is that is that an East Coast reflector that you have near you? Is that what yeah, you're talking you're, about? Yeah, and I, I might be wrong be about being able to, to connect to it via Dude Star. I'm I'm just <laughs> Sunday brain, but um, I do have a reflector over here. Actually, I think I'm like seven miles away from it. Oh, dude, we'll have to try and get up on that sometime because I have a I have an East Coast reflector that's really close to me that I can hit uh, no problem for um, sure. And, uh, from what I understand, it's, it's, uh, to access my reflector, it's a, it's a simplex node that is just running, uh, analog simplex. And that's how I get into it. Yep. Yeah. There's, um, uh, the one by my job, uh, people dial in, um, sometimes with their digital radios. So either, um, I think that, I don't know which, which I think it's got FT8 or systems fusion connected to it. And I know it has Echolink connected to it. So there's multiple routes. And then obviously it's analog. So Okay, nice. Routes. We'll have to see if we can get each other on that sometime. I know mine's just a, it's a simplex analog. Uh, I, uh, IRLP, which is the Internet Radio Linking Project. Um, yep. And it just runs an analog simplex uh, mode. And I can I can hit it no problem from, from uh, where I'm at. And I, I mean, I've used that to talk. I, I haven't hit it a lot, um, but I've used that to talk to people who are across the pond, like over in like Europe. Like I've, I've talked to a dude in like England before. Oh yeah, there. Exactly, it's connected. I've, I've heard guys uh, uh, from Russia get on it um, and talk and, and and nets and stuff. So I mean, I've got on it and talked on nets, and nice. it's just yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot you can do with digital, and you know. It, Analog is analog and digital is digital, but there's a lot you can do with digital that's uh, you can't do with. I want to say you can't do with analog, but, uh, you know, a DMR hotspot, it's analog, but it's digital. You know, you're still using RF. So, yeah, I, you know, I will. I'd be willing to bet the farm and say, uh, you know, digital is the meat and potatoes of radio, uh, at least when it comes to some of the stuff that we talk about and post about. Because digital is where you get into, you you can literally text message radio to radio over radio waves. You don't have to go through the cell phone network. Uh, you don't have to have internet. Uh, yeah. You can also do GPS well, beaconing. You can call a specific radio on a, on a frequency and nobody else can hear it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of technicalities there. But you can also do uh, stuff like APRS, Automated Packet Reporting System where you can have a radio constantly beaconing its GPS location and you can track it in real time over the internet on a map and see where that radio is like every five minutes, two minutes, 10 minutes, whatever you set that increment at. Um, And then obviously we talk about this a lot encryption. If you can digitize your radio traffic, you can encrypt it. And that's where P25 is especially handy. DMR can encrypt voice. It's a whole nother podcast in itself talking about encryption. There's different types of encryption. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's hardware encryption, software encryption, there's different encryption of logarithms. Uh, we've kind of touched on that with some guys in the past, but 
uh, digital offers you so many options. And digital is where you're going to get into ComSec, OpSec. Uh, digital is where you're going to get into packet data. Where you can send emails, text messages, picture messages, data packets, data bursts, digitals. It's just such a versatile mode of communication. And, you know, most, most people don't know oh, this. Yeah. They have a digital radio in their pocket at all times. Your cell phone is a digital oh, radio. Yeah. There are five different antenna types in your cell phone. Uh, there's typically going to be three or yeah. four. Your cell phone is a super radio. Yeah, your cell phone is a radio. It's a super radio. That I mean, it's amazing <laughs> what those things are capable of. Yeah, and most most people have no idea. Like they don't understand, but that's what it is. You're you're the but the the same features that your cell phone has. There's radios out there that can do that. There's digital radios that can do that. Uh, but you don't need a subscription for it. You don't need to pay for it. Uh, nobody's tracking it. Your data is not going through a middleman. No, you can go end to end user. You can encrypt your data. Yeah. Uh, that's the big difference is you're going user to user. Yeah. Without the need for all the infrastructure and everything, which is some people and, and, and people on Instagram have said in the past that, uh, when the EMP <laughs> cue, like the, <laughs> the, the meme where like the, the, Font that changes between capital and lowercase, like every letter, but uh, cue that where um, uh, when the EMP hits, your digital radios aren't going to work anymore. And that is totally false. Yeah. The digital radios work user to user just the same as any other analog radio. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's what, what uh, it's about thing. That's what posted about. There's people out there in Instagram teaching bad radio information. And the, they're teaching it because they don't understand radio. And that's that's part of our frustration. That's part of where all the bow fang hate, the fang shame, where all the memes that come from us. You know, they, there's people that don't understand. And so they're teaching people the wrong thing. Well, they're either, I mean, at this point, they're either blatantly ignorant or intentionally spreading uh, incorrect information. So... Uh, I, I don't I don't know where that falls, um, but it's one of those two things. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, um, what I'd like to say about that is uh, solid state radios. Um, they are susceptible to uh, an EMP if not protected. Um, the thing is, though, uh, you don't have to have infrastructure for DMR to work because it's all over RF, uh, you know, like we were talking about the, um, you know, analog it's AM FM modulation, you know, single sideband it's all over RF though. These are just different modes over RF. So if you're, if your radio is protected, you're safe. Um, and it doesn't mean that you can get blasted with an EMP and everything's just going to die off. And like the world is going to collapse in five minutes. You know, your radios are, they're, they're better made than they were in the seventies and eighties. And there's, you know, they can survive an EMP blast. Also, um, it doesn't mean, you know, let's just say I got some that are protected just in case. Um, the tube radios that they used to make, those EMP right over it, it's going to keep working just because it's not fragile. Yeah, and, the wires in there uh, are like 12 gauge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're not. It's, yeah, that's it's not going to damage it. And uh, some stuff that I have read online um, in the past, they were saying that some of the Russian, Russian jets, that's what they had was. They kept tube radios in their fighter jets and their bombers because of an, in case of an EMP blast, that their pilots would still be able to communicate with the ground and with each other. So 
if you really want to survive an EMP blast, you go out and buy an old tube radio and go get you some extra tubes, or you can you can protect your radios, uh, some of your radios. They, they have systems now you can plug into your home and and it'll take an EMP blast and your whole all your electronics aren't going to be fried in your house. You know, so the 21st century, we have a lot of technology that's going to help help us uh, yep. not to succumb to something like that and just be completely devastated and, and obliterated, you know, because a solid state analog radio can can get EMP just as fast as a, a digital uh, uh, radio. So, you know, it's it's something that you got to do your research on. And, you know, that's that's more for preparedness. And you could probably do a podcast on that, too. Yeah. And I mean, we had uh, we had C5 on recently, C5 ISRT. And and uh, I think we talked about that a little bit. He has a great post on uh, his Pelican box, which I've seen personally. He bought I think it's the Pelican. Is it the 1650 series something? It's a it's a pretty decent sized chess box. And he inside that box, he has uh, he took all of the padding and, and everything out of it. And he lined it with uh, with RF masking cloth and tape. Uh, and then per, he was telling me per whatever, you know, military standards, there should be three layers of cloth and, uh, three layers of tape, I believe how it is. And that's what he's basically done to this Pelican box is he's lined the inside of it with three layers of this cloth, three layers of tape, um, around all the gaskets and everything. So that way, and, and then inside this box, he keeps all of his extra radios. He's got a small fleet of radios a couple of tough pad like tablets, uh, programming cables, a key loading device. He's got all of these things inside of this box ready to go. So e- even if something like that does happen, all of those critical electronics for him are protected. And post event, he can crack that box open and he's got radios and technology galore to, to help him through whatever you know events happen after that. Yeah, that's that's a pretty awesome setup. Uh, it's something I think everyone should have. At least keep a couple radios uh, safe or just out of, out of the way as backups, you know. And, and that'll help, you know. Any weathering, if you get a flood and you have a system like that, you don't have to worry about your radios because they're covered. You know, they're protected. Uh, I mean, yeah. it could be anything. A tornado could probably throw that thing 150, 250 feet away, and someone can find it and say, "Oh, I got good radios here." You know, so. It, that kind of stuff, it's it's good for any situation. Oh, yeah. And I mean, the radios we're talking about, like he's he's running mostly XTS line radios, EF Johnson 5100 line radios, you know, radios along that series. And not only are they pretty tough, but they're well protected inside that that Pelican case. And like you said, that th- that, that case could get thrown by a tornado or something. And as long as you can find wherever <laughs> that thing ends up, the radios and everything inside are probably going to be OK. Yeah, good stuff. I need to do that. I need I need one of those. I'm I'm currently working on one. The cloth and the tape is it's not crazy expensive, but you'll you'll spend a bit on it to line a, a box like he did. You'll spend about a hundred, hundred and fifty dollars. Um because I think, you know, like he was telling me, per the standards you need three layers of cloth and tape. Um because even a even a hole of up to one millimeter in the barrier can compromise the box. So you gotta do a pretty meticulous job of making sure that it's all sealed off when that when that box is closed up and done i'm currently in the process of um i picked up a couple of uh plano they're they're a little smaller than his but i got a couple of the 
they're a Plano weather sealed um, box that are about half the size of, I th- like I said, I think it's a Pelican 1650. They're about half that size. Uh, but I plan on lining those and they're going to be uh, my boxes, but I haven't gotten around to it yet because it's not, cr- like I said, it's not crazy expensive, but to buy quality cloth and tape, you'll spend some money on it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Or you just do a lot of duct tape and tinfoil. <laughs> I've seen a video. There's a video on YouTube where a guy talks about like using a uh, his like EMP cage is like a, a metal trash can. And I don't know. You you might have to do some more research to me, but he's got like a metal trash can that he's done uh, aligning to and is sealed off and everything. And he keeps a lot of uh, critical electronics inside of this like trash can. Basically, yeah, just, just go Google uh, in his like bunk. Just go Google Faraday cage. Oh, yeah, you can buy them. I mean, you can order them. You can order stuff online that's pre-made, but you'll spend the money on it. Yeah, for sure. Well, gentlemen, let's do a recap. So we talked about radio. What is radio? Radio is electromagnetic radiation. Uh, Go Google electromagnetic field, and you can figure out some more about that. Uh, Look up modulation, AM, FM. Uh, That's a good place to start. Uh, Your bands. If you're going to get into radio, go look up the difference between VHF and UHF good entry point while you're at it start looking up hf because if you're going to get into ham radio you're going to get into hf you're going to want to look up propagation and that's going to be how each band behaves differently uh for lack of better terms vhf and uhf are going to behave differently so look up antenna theory tuning and antenna resonance uh your polarization you know you got sky wave you got ground wave you got vertical you got horizontal uh, there's a million antenna types out there. And your most common are going to be your dipole and your infeds. Um, look up simplex and duplex. You know, simplex is radio to radio, duplex is radio to repeater. Um, and then you got analog and digital. Common digital types are uh, DMR radios, P25 are, are uh, digital. Those are going to be really common. And then you got NXDN, Tetra. Uh, those are common in Europe and Asia. You got fusion radio. That's your Yesu stuff. You got D-Star. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing some digital protocols there, but uh, if you just hone in on DMR and P25, that's going to give you hours and hours and hours of research. Digital, you're going to have your radio IDs, your talk groups, color codes. That's uh, DMR stuff. Your NAC for uh, P25 users out there. Uh, you got TMS, text message service. Uh, you got APRS, automated packet reporting system. You got encryption. Um, digital opens up a whole world of features that analog can't even begin to touch. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's um, and people have posted about it using like a Baofeng with a cable connected to a tablet or like an Android phone or something. And you can uh, you can do texting that way. Um, but it's basically just a it, it's basically just the long way to do digital texting is all it is because you're using a you're using a an end user device or an electronic user device to um create a digital signal that will be transmitted over an analog radio that is received by another analog radio that then pipes that information to another electronic user device which then demodulates it into uh, a text format or or whatever it's like, like it's just digital radio with extra steps is all it is. And there's ways to implement encryption over that. But um, like I said, you're just taking extra steps as it, as opposed to, it's pretty to, primitive, you know, like a, like 
Yeah, it is. It's 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 way more primitive and it's it requires cabling and connections and a radio and an end user device and everything. Whereas like my Motorola radios or my EF Johnson radios, I can go into the set. I can go in there. I can type out a message. I can press send, you know, to this person. I can send a text message directly to another radio. I don't have to plug in any cables or any of that. Yeah, for sure. And go check out uh, uh, Tita's Instagram, my Instagram. We got some uh, some stuff out there about digital over audio. Kind of dive into that a little bit deeper on Instagram. Yep. Let's uh, let's take this home. Swamp comms. Uh, glad you joined us. This was definitely a unique podcast compared to everything else we've ever done, but it's one that needed to happen. You know, we've we've got a lot of topics that we've covered that are very advanced. This is kind of getting at the heart of the matter, so to speak. Stuff ain't easy to figure out. Yep. This is the fundamentals right here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you want to get familiar with radio? Get familiar with all this stuff. It's like I said earlier. We, I mean, us on a podcast talking about it can only. We can only draw part of the picture. Um, you're going to have to go online if this is something that you really plan on uh, diving into. It's it's going to take some work. I mean, I'm over a, I'm over a year into it and I'm still trying to learn something new every day. Uh, that's that's all you can do. You know, like uh, I, I had a teacher back in the day who told me, learn something new every day, even if it's a word, it's something as small as learning a new word every day. If you don't learn something every day that you're living then then you're not living that's good man i i like that uh swamp comms tell the audience where they can find you uh you can find me at uh swamp comms on instagram and that's pretty much it but i'm always open always available for dms and you usually if someone follows me i usually follow them back throw them likes you know all that good stuff but yeah uh swamp comms with two m's on instagram nice i started following you forever ago on my personal account too you were one of the like the first pages <laughs> nice yeah same and actually you know the genesis of the podcast started with on new year's eve against all flags invited me on the podcast and swamp comps was there as well i remember that oh, yeah, i listened to that episode that was a good and episode. after going on that podcast it was like this is actually not as complicated as i thought and i it's, it's very enjoyable i should start a podcast and uh and here we are <laughs> here we are yeah that was, that was a good, uh, against a good all flags. nice yeah that's a good podcast check yeah that out. so shout out to against all flags yeah, was, if you're an anarchist go check them out yeah and belt fed bandit he was on there as well yeah yeah belt fed bandit shout out oh, belt shit. Fed bandit. i was gonna say i think he goes by based belt fed bandit now <laughs> yeah he got door knocked by the fbi oh really wait what yeah he's got a uh one of their podcasts yeah he talks about it it's pretty wild Dude, I used to follow him, but I haven't seen his posts in forever. Yeah, he made a uh, comical comment that, that that caused the it was like the IRS or the FBI or somebody to go interrogate him. What the? F I know it's a good podcast. Shout out to Against All Flags. Go listen to that. That's a good podcast. I yes. haven't heard that one yet. I gotta I gotta listen to that one. They're a, very much in line with the reasons why uh, we do radio. Mcom tatcom. Emergency communications, tactical communications. Um, they're yeah. more on the political side of why we do this stuff, and we're more on the technical side of why we do this stuff, or what we're doing, rather. But yeah. Also, uh, 
We forgot to do it, but shout out. Uh, I didn't forget, but shout out to Project Redacted, uh, Civil Sentinel Pouch coming soon. Uh, I think we're getting them in the mail this week. Uh, we'll start prototyping and uh, we'll start uh, putting out some more content on on that pouch and that collaboration that we're doing with uh, at Project Redacted on Instagram. And uh, we appreciate everything he's doing and uh, super excited for uh, the, the stuff to come with him in the future. I am so stoked to get that pouch, man. Actually, I got two of them coming. I believe you do, too. <laughs> but, man, we did our range day yesterday I and so. I was really like fingers crossed, hoping that those things were going to come in the mail so I could take them to the range with me yesterday. But they didn't. No big deal. I'll get them out uh, in the field on the next range day. And, man. Really cool stuff. He's He's got some really simple and really basic pouches, and that's really all you need. Uh, but we just threw him a softball kind of on some ideas Wait, go ahead. of uh, what he could do to modify his pouches for radio use, and he did it, and he's sending them to us for testing, and they're going to go live. We're going to get the uh, Sentinel pouch out there. So if you're a gear nerd like I am and you have seven checks rigs, then get you some Sentinel pouches. <laughs> <laughs> this fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I'm super excited for uh, super excited for that collaboration with him. And I, um, I've been talking to him a little bit. I've got an idea for uh, a pretty specialized, what would be a more specialized pouch to uh, like a like a team RTO or a SIGINT individual. That's awesome, man. Well, let's reel this in, guys. I'm hungry. I want to go eat some food. <laughs> yeah, I'm hungry too. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm and I'm and I'm hungry, and I'm I'm like three ten percent beers in. And uh, I'm probably degraded quickly at this point. <laughs> I need some Jack in the Box, my friend. <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> Isn't that a burger place? You don't know what Jack in the Box is? No, I know what Jack in the Box is, but we don't have those here in Florida. Yeah, we don't. Oh, man. You guys also don't have Whataburger. Uh, we have Whataburger yeah, we in Orlando. Yeah, we have Whataburger now? Oh, my gosh. Yep. What do you mean we have Whataburger now? I've been going to Whataburger since I was really? a kid. <laughs> We yeah. we have them, but they're just not. Ever, we don't have them like everywhere. But we do. I Wait, know we what? have a we have we have a couple in Central Florida area. When I say Central Florida, I mean like Osceola County, Orange County, places like you know that. Um, that we don't have any where I live, but twenty miles down the road, there's like five. So, what the fuck? I'm up in Northwest Florida, and we got Whataburger everywhere. Yeah, well, like Those I said, more are- more like Orlando. Wow. Yeah. No, up in Northwest Florida, we got Whataburger all over the place. There's there's one in every town. I missed something somewhere at some point in time, but Whataburger is a Texas fast food spot. Apparently, it's made its way out to Florida. Congratulations, Florida. (laughs) What was that swamp? (laughs) We made it. (laughs) That's funny. No, dude, I've been going to Whataburger since I I mean, since I can remember. I mean, uh, I used to go surfing with my dad in the mornings and uh, and we'd step at Whataburger and I'd get. I get the the chicken the chicken strips with the white gravy and the toast, bro. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's going back all the way like five years old. That's- that toast is awesome. Oh, dude, I haven't been to a Whataburger in a long time, but uh, I just don't eat fast food anymore, really. But I mean, yeah, that go that takes me back. Sweet. So Florida's got Whataburger. Yeah. Imagine that. We do have Whataburger, but we don't have Jack in the Box. Not at least not that I know of. Uh, we're supposed to get a Jack in the Box in Orlando in the next year or two, I think. You know what I want? I want White Castle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You don't like White Castle? We have crystals here, but they're kind of rare. They're crist- uh, crystals are trash. That's the only <laughs> fast food burger I will never eat again in my life. I'd rather have all the White Castles 
on the planet and one set of one crystals because they're they're oh i could i could do a podcast about how nasty it is that's got, how nasty they are uh dude, it's gotten nasty i don't know what it was but i used to love crystals when i was a kid we got one not too far from me and i think it's still open i like i said i don't eat fast food anymore so I don't like know what the fuck's out there, but when I was a kid, crystals was well, the so shit. Ever since California invaded Texas, we have In and Out Burger everywhere. Y'all have In and Out Burger there? <laughs> okay, now I can. Yeah, I can get we have a couple of those. Wait, you got an In and Out Burger? I, I think there's one in Orlando. Orlando has a lot of food places that aren't. I mean, it's Orlando. They have a lot of weird stuff. I think that I'm pretty sure they have one, dude. In and Out Burger. I mean. We had some in Utah. I lived in Utah for a bit. We had some In-N-Out burgers like in Salt Lake and stuff. And that shit's bomb, dude. But I, I there's no In-N-Out burger like anywhere near me. Whataburger beats In-N-Out burger all day. I don't know. I, maybe it's the Whataburger near me. But last time I had Whataburger, it was pretty trash. <laughs> but it's all fast food. So it's all the, <laughs> just like what quality of trash do you want? Right? Yeah. <laughs> you got that right. Oh, man. All right. All right. I'm hungry now. Let's go eat some For food. sure. All right, guys. Take All care. Right. Message us. Hit up Swamp if you have questions. Yeah. Yeah. Hit up Swamp. Stop messaging me. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. No, I'm kidding. My inbox is always open. Anyone yeah, who's got same. questions. <laughs> well, gentlemen, good night. It was an awesome podcast. I, uh, I'm stoked on talking to both you guys. For sure. Thanks, Swamp. Thanks for coming by. Hey, thanks for having me. You guys are awesome. Right. Later, everyone. Bye. Bye.